Hi everyone and welcome to the Poema Podcast. I'm James Prescott, uh, your host. Uh, welcome and um, today I've got a very special guest, um, <laughs> someone who's been a friend of mine for about five or six years and um, now she is finally releasing her first book um, and her name is Tanya Marlowe. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, yeah, this is, I feel very special. Um, and I'm really glad to be here because um, you just have all these great guests. So I'm kind of imagining this this company of amazing people that you've had on your show and feel yeah. honoured to be included among them, really. Yeah, if I was to get a gathering of, like, in a room of all the people that have been on this show. That, that would be fun. That would be a good day. I would day. love that. That would be a good day. <laughs> um yeah that would be a really good day <laughs> um yeah maybe i'll do that one day but um yeah tanya is um she's a writer a blogger um she's an amazing writer actually um oh thank you very active on social media as well especially on twitter um mm-hmm. and we kind of connected on social media and through blogging and things and yeah it's really really great to have her here because her first book is here so tell us just a bit about um your story and the story of this book and what the book's about well that's three yeah (laughs) where do you want me to start well just introduce yourself just like a bit of of your bit of your own story well it's always a danger to ask me about my own story because then i couldn't you know talk for hours so um but yeah my story I guess is that I uh, used to be in Christian ministry and was a lecturer in biblical theology doing a job I loved and a chronic illness crept up on me um I have a disease called myalgic encephalomyelitis which you shouldn't say if you've had any alcohol because it's very difficult (laughs) to pronounce um and um, that means that I have a very low battery um, and I have to stay within my limits. Now, when I gave birth and went through labour, I was already needing to use a wheelchair for some distances. Mm. But the effect of labour was just too much for my body and it broke it. Uh, so I woke up the next day with a new baby and a new disability. And for the past seven years, I've been housebound only able to leave the house once a fortnight in a wheelchair for a couple of hours and so this is really I why I ended up on Twitter uh, because I was very isolated mm. and um, couldn't really talk to friends in the same way because all my energy had to be kind of rationed out in teaspoons um, and that's when I discovered that I could keep in touch with the world with just a few jabs of my thumb on an iPad, which was all I could manage for a, a long time. Wow, that sounds really, really challenging. Um, what was that like? Well, it was it was really tough. Um, but I think I found a community online of people similarly in a wilderness and um, able to kind of comfort one another. Um, but it was, it's hard being in being on your own and for a, a kind of any length of time really and I mean I say I was on my own I was still I was married and so I had John but I was so used to seeing people and I'm such an extrovert 
that the loneliness hit me badly. And, um, mm. you know, solitary confinement, they make that as a punishment for prisoners. Uh, for so many people with chronic illness, actually, that's a reality. And it's, you have to fight to stay sane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've kind of had my own version of that. Um, because I've recently I've been kind of you know unemployed and at home a lot, looking for work and you know um, being mm-hmm. at home when you got when you when you when you can't find work and money's tight and you know you can't do much. It's kind of especially for an introvert. I'm an introvert. I mean, I'm an introvert as well. Um, it kind of I know exactly what that, that, how stir crazy you can get. It's just like it's, yeah. yeah. Actually, that's kind of the situation I was writing into for the book. Um, all these kind of, um, I call them liminal situations, that kind of in-between, mm. where you don't have control and you're waiting and you don't know how long it's going to be. You know, that's the infuriating thing, isn't it? Like, when you're out of work, if you do, you had, like, how long have you, were you out of work for? Um, well, um, I was out of full-time work for nearly a year. I mean, I haven't got, still haven't got permanent work. Yeah. I'm recording, um, you know, um, but I wasn't working at all for a long time, eight or nine months, you know, and I mean, I was, I had like the occasional job and I was, I was, I had my book launch, which kind of kept me focused for a while and um, a few other things, but, but, you know, you have, you, you know, especially late at night um, mm. and being single, obviously, as well. Um um, I think I think one of the things that kept me sane was um, becoming an uncle for the first time. Um, so I was able to go out and you know hang out with my nephew and my sister and I had a really, I've got a really good church community around me and um, home group and things. So those kind of things kept me kept me sane. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I think it's the it's the not knowing how long you're going to be in that position for that drives you mad, isn't it? It's, yeah. And I think um, when we're in those periods of waiting, this is what really struck me as I was writing this book, it's the uncertainty that kills us, you yes. know, because yes, you have no control and you suddenly realise, I have been living a lie because I've been living as though I can schedule my life and write my own story for my life and to a certain extent we can do that but ultimately God is the author of our lives and it's in situations where we're stopped in our tracks that we suddenly have to eva- reevaluate what life is all about yeah absolutely um, yeah and I've been taking this, this process has been um, has taken me to the absolute end of myself like um, it's been like and I'm letting you interview me now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a habit of doing that. <laughs> um, on my own show, it's okay, I'll let you do that. Um, no, but I, I, it's kind of like I've had to, almost like I've lost everything and I've been taken to my lowest point and, you know, I put on weight because I went to a, I went to a dark place. I kind of got to this point where, and this will, this will probably be my next book, um, where... I got to a like I had a picture and God said, "Right, okay, there's this really dark valley. You need to go into this valley to deal with all this stuff from your traumatic past, and mm-hmm. it's going to be difficult and painful. But you've got to go there to get healing because the only way out is through." Um, and so I went there, but it ended up going there meant I had to go to the dark places, which meant 
ended up putting on weight and it meant getting a bit, bit depressed and down and you know um, my anxiety got worse and you know um, so but I'm kind of coming through that a little bit now and um, towards the end of it in a sense although it feels like the end of the beginning rather than the, rather than the end um, yeah yeah I think that's the thing isn't it we just we're always in process and uh, these these periods of waiting are really, really difficult. I mm. think that's what struck me because so many books on waiting for Christians, um, not all of them, but a lot of them seem to be, okay, here's a period of waiting. Here's how to make it super productive and redemptive. You know, here's how to use your time wisely and yeah. five steps to get closer to God during a time of waiting. Whereas... I looked again at the Bible stories and I thought, the Bible is more more honest than we are. Waiting is hard. It's yeah. really, really hard. Yeah. And when I looked at the Bible characters, I met people who struggled. And that gave me such hope, <laughs> yeah. to be well, honest. One of my I friends, just, yeah, we were fun. No, I was going to say, I, like, I always find it helpful when Bible characters are doing faith badly if that makes sense because God's still kind to them and I think so often a lot of the Christian books and a lot of the preaching we get is just a version of his how to be Christian better and it can be after a while a burden especially when you're just in that state where you're like ah I just need to get through I need to survive I don't know what's going on I feel abandoned I feel alone I don't know where I'm going with my life. I've lost all direction. And um, you've just got to grab the toeholds that you can. Yeah, that is so true. Um, And um, this book you've written, it's called Those Who Wait, um, by the way, and it's being released very, very soon. Um, I've read bits of it already. It's amazing. Thank you. It really is. Like, and ten, all Tanya's stuff really is great. I, you know, I, yeah, I can't recommend her highly enough. Really. Um, so do get. <laughs> oh uh, my, my cheeks are going pink. It's my prerogative. <laughs> I'm the host. I get to compliment my guests. Um, <laughs> um, so do and like. I mean, well, we're going to continue, but um, I wanted to tell people what the name of the book was because I know we've talked about the book, but we haven't kind of mentioned the name of it. That's true. I do everything in the wrong order. Yeah, it's those who wait, finding God in disappointment, doubt and delay. Um, And it's um, a creative journey through the lives of four Bible characters who waited messily um, and who had different pressures on them waiting. So it's uh, Sarah, as in Sarah and Abraham. Mm. Uh, Isaiah, as he was waiting for justice for the nation. Mm. Um, Sarah was waiting, of course, 24 years to have a baby. And you kind of think, that's quite a long time. I mean, nine months is pretty much long enough. 24 years is is something else. Um, And then the final two are the New Testament characters, John the Baptist and Mary. And I know you're not supposed to have favourites, like 
because it should be character kind of book characters are like babies really you shouldn't have favorite children but um john the baptist is my favorite (laughs) he's he's just such a wonderful melancholy character that almost passes you by in the bible and so delving Mm. into his life was a wonderful discovery for me yeah he's a very interesting character because yeah yeah, we need to talk about John the Baptist more, I think. There is a lot more yeah. to, to learn about him. Um, yeah, because, I mean, in any other generation, he would have been like the uh, the A-list prophet. They'd been yes. waiting for 400 years for God to speak, and suddenly along comes John the Baptist. And um, in any other generation, he would have been it. But his role was just to point to Jesus. It's like, hi, I'm here. And now yeah. I'm passing on to the main act. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like a really short introduction. And then he spent the high point of his ministry was uh, baptizing Jesus. And then he spent the rest of his life in prison. Yeah, it's not, it's, a, it's almost a tragedy in some ways, but it's, yeah. Yeah, um, and I wanted to bring out that bittersweet uh element of John's life and to see how God ministered to him even in what was actually a really difficult life Mm. and I think that's what struck me when I was looking at their struggles um, and in these really long extended periods of waiting that God's, God's kindness is kind of unexpected it's almost like whispers of kindness that come through and uh, that kind of is the thing that keeps me going, that God doesn't abandon us in the wilderness. Mm. You know, God always shows up in the wilderness. Yes, yes, I think he does. My experience of it is that, yeah, he does. You don't always recognise him. No, and I think the other thing <laughs> is it takes a long time. You I kind of have this yeah. theory that God is really late for everything just like leaves everything to the last minute like I grew up in a family that was really last minute yeah. I'm like oh yeah I think he's I think he's like my birth family I always <laughs> joke about God being last minute dot com yeah uh, like he's just that's his that's his website you know um. yeah exactly and I think that's how it feels so often isn't it it's like what are you doing, God? I have it's a deadline. Like, it's like, it's In fact, like, the deadline has passed. Why haven't you acted? Yeah, I know. And it's like, it's it's kind of like, you hear so many stories about God doing, the, and then at the last minute, you know, uh, if you grow up in Christian circles, you know, you hear, you know these stories. You can even, <laughs> yeah. you can even tell them before they even finish telling them. It's like, oh, I know what happened. Last minute, God did something. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's kind of really I know. Difficult. And it's like, why do you think he acts uh, like that? Yeah, I know. It's kind of honest. Like, why do you have to do it that way? Just, just do it when we don't have to have panic attacks and anxiety attacks. <laughs> to, like, you know, like I'm worrying whether I'm going to have to move my, leave my flat. I, mean, I don't like. I don't want to have to wait until yeah. the day before. I can't. I've got to plan ahead. You know, I can't. Yeah. You know, it's like you know. Sometimes you know. So. That's you know you have those wrestling matches with God you know, um, but it's good. I, I mean, I I actually wouldn't change what I've been through the last couple of years, like the journey I've been on, because because I've done it with a spiritual director and with a therapist and and mm-hmm. mindset coaches and stuff. So I've been able to unpack a whole load of things um, 
and to get a, do a lot of forgiveness and like figure out what was really important to me and who I was and let go of a lot of things and let go of the ego and all that kind of thing and do this inner work that, and I realise that not everyone does this inner work you know and it's actually really mm-hmm. important for our spiritual and personal development but, but some people go through their, their whole lives and never do it in fact most people do and that's why I feel kind of blessed even though I'm in the situation that I'm in you know, I think that's yeah, that's yeah. great because like it's the whole Romans eight thing that yes. God yes. does work for good for those who love Him, and uh, we do see those redemptive things. Um, yeah. I think in many ways, though, I'm still in process because when I kind of say, mm. I mean, you say that like, I don't regret what happened because of what has come from it, um, and I feel like I'm I'm not quite there yet. Because mm, I lost, am still yeah. kind of saying, uh, I'm like, dear God, I don't think I've grown that much in holiness. <laughs> I haven't discovered that much about myself. I do think my heart has been enlarged, but is that worth not being able to dance with my son in the kitchen? Mm. And is that worth not being able to go out as a family and not mm. being able to support my husband in the way that he supports me Mm. um and i think these are these are big questions and i'm i'm getting i think less afraid of asking them and to to be saying actually there is a load of mystery here um and i don't have to have everything sewn up um i want everything to be sewn up you know there's a part of me that kind of fights because i want there to be an answer and i want to know what's going to happen it's very scary um yeah it's like when you have a tv show on netflix that's like all the episodes are there from start to finish and you can skip to the last one if you want to like but you don't really want to because you want to see how things happen not just like the end result but the end result is really tempting yeah that's true and I think well again revisiting these bible stories it's very humbling to look at their stories and realize they didn't they had no idea of the part they were playing in God's bigger plan and I think sometimes um you know there are there are people that I know who suffer a tremendous amount and have been living in this world cut off I've got a, a friend who is extremely ill and has been so for a decade or more. And I don't know what the purpose of that is. Mm. And I can pretty much only see wrong in that situation. Yeah. But at the same time, I know that there is a bigger story and that even when it doesn't, come out right in our own lives the yeah. the history of the universe we will see the pur- we will see purpose and we will see god's goodness in it yeah. that's the thing i cling to that's the thing that takes faith because it's not easy it's not a simple answer and i think we jump so quickly when we're looking at people who are going through extreme suffering and going well god has a plan oh. um Sorry, I don't know why I say that in a slightly American accent. My apologies no, to American sounds, listeners. No, I, I get why you say it like that. It's, um, yeah, I do. But it's a trite thing, isn't it, to say actually God has a plan. And I'm like, well, 
It depends what kind of plan you're talking and a big scale or a small scale, because God does have a plan. And that is to return. Christ will return and make this whole world right again. And that is the plan that I'm looking to. And Mm. outside of that, it's going to get a bit sketchy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. I mean, I want to qualify my own story in that I haven't got results yet. You know, I'm still on the journey. I'm just, I'm still in it. You know, I'm still... And I I think it's fine for individuals to be able to say, look, on my journey, I have seen real fruit from this or I have seen gold from this. It's just when others say it. Do you, I'm sure you've had yeah, people oh, say that. It's like, it. oh, well, it's fine because of God's X, Y, Z. God provides. Well, don't worry, trust in God, he'll provide. And it's like, yeah, that's easy for you to say with your cushy job, you know, like regular income, blah, blah, blah. You know, you don't, like, you're not going to lose your house, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's you know. And it's, yeah, it's and I think, some, I mean, I know yeah. some Christians who've kind of said to me, trust in god and i've and some christians have said that in a trite way and it's like a christian way of saying stop moaning yeah um <laughs> yes absolutely right but yes i know other friends and they've said trust in god and then i look in their eyes and i see that they they love god and they love me and so i i kind of tag on to the coattails of their trust and that's sometimes that's all you can do yeah i know what you mean i think yeah it's yeah i do um and it's yes it's difficult not to play the victim when those things are happening as well like to not get trapped in that kind of that victim role and start looking for pity and attention and things it's it's a very fine line to kind of say I am legitimately suffering and going through a lot of difficult stuff. Um, and then going on and, and I've fallen into this trap. Um, and then going on mm. to, you know, to kind of play the sympathy card and victim and host pity parties and things. And even when you don't really want to or mean to, but you get so and kind of get sucked into it, you know. And, well, and yeah, difficult. and pity is such a false friend because anytime you're pitying someone, you're objectifying them. Yeah. It's that, that feeling of, you know, pity is when you're looking down upon someone and saying, oh, poor you. Yeah. Now, it's never nice to be that person being looked down upon. So pity is all you're getting. It's not a great gift. Mm, you right. know? <laughs> um, exactly. So yeah. hosting a pity party is, is never going to end well. <laughs> no, it's not. It really isn't. Um, um, but that's not to say that people going through hard times don't need support and empathy and friendship and I think that you know that's the fine line that you're talking about there isn't it it's kind of saying the legitimate needs but not uh I mean anytime we're asking for pity we're not going to like what we get (laughs) exactly yeah absolutely right yeah so I mean how have what how what have you learned on your long long journey of of waiting what is it taught what has it taught you uh it's taught me i'm really impatient (laughs) (laughs) um it's amazing it's taught me i think it's taught me that there is a bigger picture 
Right. And that although I like to have a reason for everything, sometimes I don't get to know the reason. And that makes me cross. But I also... I'm comforted that it's true because I look in the Bible and go, yeah, that's true. If you want to know what a normal Christian experience is, then look at the long lineage of very confused Bible, like Christian and uh, God followers in the Bible. Yeah. So I think it's taught me that I'm not alone. And it's, it's funny, those things that you can point to, because I kind of like, I'm feeling the pressure even with the question of saying, oh, what has it taught me? I must have learned something really useful here. But if I'm honest, I'm like, yeah, it's taught me that I'm impatient, but mm-hmm. that I'm not alone and that God is kind. And if nothing else, those are lessons really worth knowing. And coming from you, they're really powerful lessons, I think. You know, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I can talk about what I've been through, but I mean, I can barely imagine, you know, having to live with what you've had to live with and the waiting that you've had. Um, it's, you know, um, and then for you to come through that and be able to say that, it, it, it's powerful. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I feel a fraud because I'm like, uh, I know so many people who are... You have it worse. And we all have it limitations, don't we? I think that's the that's the thing, the camaraderie. Like when I was writing this book about waiting, I'm thinking of all the things we're waiting for. Like everyone is waiting for something. So you're mm. waiting for a bus, you're waiting for an operation, you're waiting for an interview, you're waiting for a second chance, you're waiting for a place to belong, you're waiting to feel like you're at home. Uh, you might be waiting to feel like when is the time where I get to do what I want to do? You might be waiting to know your life's calling. You might be waiting for freedom. You might be waiting for that negative person to be out of your life. You know, we're all waiting for something. And mm. we all are battling with that that thing of, of being in this space where we, we feel that longing and we feel that pull towards these good desires that we have, um, but they're unfulfilled. And so uh, rather than just deny those feelings, which I think often we can do in church, um, I, but the whole book that I've written is saying, actually, if we lean into that discomfort, we discover a great spiritual truth, which is that we're not home yet. We're not home yet. We, uh, those longings that we feel behind every single longing is a longing for heaven. Like I think mm-hmm. I said in the book, like, if you're a parent and you want your kids to stop fighting every day because uh, the noise, um, it's also reflecting a deeper desire for peace and harmony. And that is reflecting a deeper desire for heaven and for this world to be put right. You know, everything, every time we feel that little bit of discomfort in what we're waiting for, it lifts our eyes to what we should be waiting for. Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> That's so wise. I'm, I'm sitting here and recording this, and and I'm just like, I'm just you, you can't see me. But we're not doing video for this uh, this interview. But um, no, because so, I'm wearing my pajamas. So, so, so <laughs> can you can't bed, see my I face. Have... And I'm just like going, I'm just sitting here going, whoa, like all the time. Like, 
just blown away um, by the wisdom um, and hmm. just that you just got this quiet confidence about things and just this hope and it's real you know because I, hmm. I always when people talk about hope and talk about joy um, and have had what we call the perfect Christian life you know where everything's kind of gone right for them and you know they're happily married with kids and in a good job and doing Mm. stuff in church and everything's kind of gone right for them Um, and they say that it doesn't carry as much weight certainly not with me Um, but when somebody has really been through the mill and been to some really low places and you know really suffered and really struggled and comes out and says that it, and means it as well and it's clear that you do um, hmm. it, it's really really compelling and a challenge thank you so um, I think I'm grateful for that because I'm like that is really what I want to kind of share um, with people that sense of I can't think of a way of saying it other than expensive hope, you know, like, like not cheap hope, but hard won hope, um, because that's that's true hope, you know. It's and if you look in the Bible, that's uh, hope is always mentioned kind of a, alongside suffering. Um, it's not a it's not yeah. a glib thing, you yeah. know. These these things is joy and hope are kind of deep beautiful treasures yeah. that we are given that we can't really conjure up that's the other thing that you just can't manufacture hope and as soon as we try to we cheapen it yeah absolutely you can't manufacture hope yeah you yeah you either have it or you don't you know it's, yeah um it's annoying it's like the holy spirit just kind of comes and goes <laughs> Yeah, I, that's the annoying thing about <laughs> I say annoying about my journey has been like I have I I see glimmers of, of of real hope at times and I can't avoid it um, and I can't avoid seeing this hope and it's just glimmers at the moment you know it's just seeds just just like yeah. first shoots whatever but it's enough you know and then I still have the down days and I still have the difficult days and the anxiety and the you know, you know the insomnia and whatever but. There is those... Oh, insomnia is the worst. Oh, like nothing no. good comes of three in the morning. No, <laughs> no, literally nothing good. No, somebody said. I actually remember. I was really depressed, down, and anxious, um, kind of upset, um, reacting to things. It was like two or three in the morning or something, and I was and I was tweeting stuff that I probably mm. shouldn't have been tweeting, and I probably deleted them later. Um, and somebody actually replied and said. Nothing good come come. Nothing good comes after midnight or, or something like that. Nothing yeah. good comes after after eleven a.m. or whatever. And that that stay that's really stayed with me when I when I'm when I'm kind of up late or if I'm having a bit of insomnia, um, I hesitate before I rush to post online. You know. Um, that's wise. I think Donald Trump could learn a lot from you. I think Donald Trump could learn a lot from my <laughs> nephew. And my nephew's one year old. 
Um, <laughs> to be honest. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, yes, Donald Trump can learn a lot from a lot of people, I think. Um, <coughs> let's be honest about that. <laughs> um, um, yeah, don't get into, let's not get into Donald Trump. No, no, let's not go there. <laughs> that's too, that's, that's, that's just a whole other level of... Depression. Yeah. Um, um, but, um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, talk about hope. I mean, like we're recording the day after the events in um, Las Vegas and, um, mm. and I was tweeting today and I was just thinking like, I know it's really, really bad and it's a tragedy what happened. It's a disaster. You know, it's, it's awful. Um, but there's some re- I, for some reason I just felt this like I've got, I've got this hope somewhere like it's not things don't this is not the end you know um, things don't end this way you know it doesn't mm-hmm. um, you know and I don't know how they will end I don't know what will happen but you know I have this strange sense that it's that, that there is hope somehow you know and and to me, actually, that's what resurrection is anyway. It's, it's more than just the bodily resurrection of Jesus. It's, resurrection is about saying that you can have the blackest, darkest day that you can possibly imagine, and it won't be the end. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the end that's not the end of the story. Um, and I've experienced a bit of that from, in my own life, you know. And, um, and that's what, that's, I think that's what gave me that little bit of hope, even in, even in the the horror of what's happened you know so kind of reflecting on your own story and and thinking it through for uh the kind of communal and universal yeah i guess so yeah i uh, when i was looking at the characters um i actually chose them based on the advent candle because um the advent wreath the candles that are lit on the advent wreath because advent is such a great season of reflecting on waiting and being in between christ's first coming and second coming and so for to represent the prophets i chose isaiah because um although we kind of think of waiting in terms of our personal lives isaiah for isaiah it was all about the communal aspect and looking to Mm. uh what was happening in his nation and what was going to happen to the world um, so I think we're kind of, uh, you know, we are part of the world's happenings and any time that we see the tra- tragedies going on in the world, or know that, although they don't affect us directly, we're still in that, we're part of that um, web of people knit together and we feel it. And so that's why I loved Isaiah, because as you were saying, he's he gets this kind of double vision. He gets the vision towards the disaster that will come on his country, but the peace that will follow. And um, I think that's what God always does, that is this kind of, he's honest about the bad things that will happen, but they don't have the final say. And so that's my, that's my prayer for America as I, as I, look through the horrible tragedy of their latest shootings and just mm. ache for the people involved and the country mm. um such a great country with yeah. so much potential and you know I mean, we just want to pray and bless them really yeah i mean i love i love i love america i went i went there for the first time about a year ago and i've got so many friends there that i want to you know and that i love and um 
that's enough. the great thing about Twitter and social yeah, media, isn't it? Exactly. It just brings you closer to yeah. the whole world. Um, exactly, exactly. You know, and yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, obviously we're all praying for um, for them right now, and um, it's yeah, and not just yeah. So of, hope for the whole world. That's kind of <laughs> hope for the whole world. Where we've ended up here. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting place you've ended up, isn't it? Um, you know, waiting. But I think waiting is a very sacred thing. It's like a, it's, mm. it's, I mean, it's a huge subject. Mm. Um, and you're, you're right about it being all the things that I've, all the books I've seen, read on this topic have been like almost pointing at the end result and this is what the end result will be. And it'll all be okay in the end. Mm. You know, whereas I think I've, I think your book is different, and I think it's a you know it's about like, it's not about the result; it's about the actual process of waiting is almost the point. It's the journey that we go yeah. on in the waiting. You know, yeah. And I wanted to not only put a slightly different message, but through a slightly different medium as well, and have done it through these kind of fictional retellings of the stories, if it's kind of written a little bit like a novel, mm. um, but with also reflective questions so that it doesn't stay like an academic or entertainment piece, but uh, we have a chance to kind of interact with the stories prayerfully and, and see the Bible afresh. Um, because I think so often we get tired by the bible just because we haven't uh we've become over familiar with it i think we've we mm. fail to see the wonder so that's what i wanted to do to just reintroduce a bit of wonder yeah no, i think you i think you will i think that but you know it, it does I mean, you're absolutely right about the bible we i mean i yeah i grew up at i started church from year zero you know, so yeah, and a lot of people grew up in church, and in, if you spend any length of time in church, the Bible does become too familiar and kind of a bit boring, and um, kind of a bit oh yeah, I know that story, you know, mm. uh, don't want to read that one again, you know, um, and we need we need things like this book to to reawaken us, you know, to the to the wonder in these stories and what's actually in these stories. Um, mm. and that's what this book does I think um, I hope so, I really hope so <laughs> um, wow I think we could talk for hours probably, we'll have to have you back on the show <laughs> I definitely definitely want to have you back on the show because. Um, oh I'd love to be here, yeah um, I feel like we've only just begun um, this is the part one <laughs> have a, com a few conversations I don't know you might have just distracted all my wisdom and then the next time it would be like awkward silence so. oh, well I, I doubt that very much I doubt that very much um, so you can get this book um, Those Who Wait it's going to be on Amazon and yeah it's going to be on Amazon on the 16th of October um, you can pre-order it in UK online bookshops now it's up on Wordery um, and it will be very soon populating the, uh, the the bookshops in America and the UK. So, yeah, by all means, go and find your favourite bookshop, your favourite outlet, and, and go and pre-order it. There will be um, a good introductory offer in the week of 16th of October. 
also on, on Amazon for the print copy. So look Ooh, out for that. Exciting. Keep your eyes out for that one. <laughs> um, and you can also find your work at tanyamalo.com. Yes. Right. And you're Tanya Marlo, at Tanya Marlo on Twitter as well, aren't you? Um, I'm at Tanya underscore Marlow. Ah. If you go to at Tanya Marlow, then that is a very different account. Okay. <laughs> oh, right, okay. So, yeah, okay. it's just a very different account. And, of course, I want, like, everyone to visit my blog. And if you like what you see, then please sign up for my newsletter and keep in touch. And you get a free copy of my first kind of... Uh, Kindle single length book coming back to God when you feel empty. Yeah, that's good as well. That's really good. Um, Kindle single, I like that. That's good. That's a good, yeah. that's a good way of describing it. Um, fantastic. So yes, uh, connect with Tanya. She really does interact with on interact on on Twitter. I can I can say uh, mm. she's very friendly and kind and encouraging and uh, wise. So. Um, yeah, so and I'm going to embarrass. I'm totally embarrassing you. So it's, you know, um, but I like to encourage people. So yeah, buy the yes, book, check do. out check out Tanya's work, and um, read her blog. And yeah, buy the book. And um, thank you for being on here, Tanya. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it really has. It's been a my total pleasure for me. I've learned so much. I think all of us have. So um, yeah. Thanks, and we'll have you back. So, um, this is not... Till uh, next time. Yes, till next time. (laughs) Um, All right, take care, everyone.